dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in god's country crops far as i can see the headlights on both ends of my day this country Hey, welcome folks to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Jennifer Amlatsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hey, Jenny. Can you hear the, the jingling tags? Maggie wants to get on the podcast. <laughs> She's on there whether she likes it or not. Folks, we're trying something new this week. Uh, we're trying a recording over Zoom. Like many of you, we are, are experimenting with Zoom in the last couple of months, and, and we think we can record the podcast over this, and we'll see how it goes, right, Kayleen? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Our audio guy might not like us. <laughs> Hayden, if you're listening, and I know you are, <laughs> good luck, buddy. <laughs> well, hey, how was your 4th of July? I know we talked about what we had planned to do um, last week, but uh, how was your 4th? Well, I went to town on the 3rd and got the mail or got feed or something and won $25 worth of fireworks off the radio. Woo! <laughs> How on earth did you, I mean, you have to call in. So you, call, you you purposely called into the radio station? Yeah, because the boys had been harping on me for a week. I want some fireworks. I want fireworks. So mother got browbeated and <laughs> did what she was told so ain't nothing like free fireworks honey <laughs> yeah well then I spent 50 more dollars so hey you got your money's worth 50 dollars 75 dollars worth of fireworks for 50 Woo! yeah <laughs> and it took all of maybe 20 minutes to blow them all so isn't that how it usually happens well I did something that I haven't done in 20 years of living in Dodge City, and that is I celebrated 4th of July outside of Dodge City for the first time in two decades. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fellas family, they're from Ellenwood. So we went over there and we celebrated, um, had burgers and, and hot dogs and everything, you know, nice little small family group. So we kind of stuck to ourselves, you know, we kind of just expanding that bubble again, just a little bit by little bit. Then we went to the city fireworks display and holy buckets. I grew up with uh, the little town of Woodbine putting on a pretty darn good display for a little town that's maybe 300 population. And that's counting all the pets. Okay. <laughs> and, the, and the cows in the outlying areas. Um, and then I moved to Dodge and we have the biggest fireworks display in, in Western Kansas, or I don't know what they, they, they tout it as a big, big, big display. Go to little itty bitty Ellenwood, Kansas. 40 minutes, 40 <laughs> minutes, Kayleen. And it was all the, um, it, it was probably a good 10 to 20 grand in fireworks. Um, the fella has his, his fireworks license that you use to shoot off professional shows. And uh, he was sitting there and he's like, honey, those are all of the finales that all they bought were finales. 
<laughs> and it's not just one firework here and one there. No, 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 Kayleen. The entire sky was filled with fireworks and the sound and the light. I'm telling you, if I had epilepsy, it, it would have like thrown me into a loop. <laughs> it was so overwhelming. <laughs> and then my fellow's niece, who's four going on, you know, 44. <laughs> I asked her, I go, honey, what do you think? She goes, it's like a unicorn pooping. Oh, geez. <laughs> I can't stop laughing at that. <laughs> so yeah, we had a, we had a good old time. Um, I hope everybody that's listening out there, I hope you guys had a great time too. Hope you uh, came away with all 10 fingers and toes. If you had 10 fingers or toes, whatever number that you had, I hope you left and, and kept those all together. So yay team. <laughs> yeah, my husband and I went to Lycan to the KPRA rodeo and we shot our fireworks off on the third and then went to the rodeo on the fourth that evening. And the arena at Lycan is surrounded by a golf course, by the public golf course. And about the time the rodeo got over is when the people surrounding Lycan decided to shoot off all their fireworks. <laughs> you know, I think everybody did personal shows this year because they were all trying to stay isolated. Yeah, it appeared that way and like it anyway. <laughs> um, I saw from a, a pilot's perspective over, I believe it was San Francisco, and it just looked like the entire, it looked like, um, you know how underwater when you see like uh, anemones opening and closing those plants that, you know, fish kind of dart in and, and they're living plants, you know, and they kind of bloom and then they don't bloom. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're looking at me like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it looked been. like that it looked like you were you know they were just boom 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 so very cool very cool happy uh happy fourth of july everyone and and hope you all again had a good time ate your fill in in uh, brats and hot dogs and hamburgers and watermelon and potato salad oh it was a good good time i i made caprese salad kayleen with my tomato crop oh yeah I, I was so proud. My little itty bitty grape tomatoes that I have. Um, I even picked basil from my garden and I threw it together with some mozzarella and some balsamic vinaigrette and uh, people ate it. I was really <laughs> proud of myself. I grew that. Now I understand. Now I've, I've reached peak Nadine, as my sister would say. Yeah. Aren't you Nadine or what? Let's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> not. <laughs> Well, hey, it's fair time coming up. Uh, you're in mid-fair mom mode getting ready. Um, how are the goats doing? How are the pigs doing? How's it going? The uh, pigs are doing fine. They need to be walked more than they are, but it's so stinking hot for them. And it's not good for them to walk <laughs> very much, but we're going to have to remedy that. The goats got clipped on Friday, and they're looking better than they were. And my niece gave Sean some pointers and she's an expert goat showman. So hopefully she got through to him and he will be a little more focused this year than he was last year, but who knows with that kid. And then he finally, his pictures, his prints finally showed up on oh God. Tuesday after being ordered on the 24th of June. I ordered him from the company. I always order him from Impix. They do a wonderful job. They're great prints. They're in Pittsburgh, Kansas, which is like 350 miles from Dodge City. 
they went from Pittsburgh, Kansas to um, Olathe to Kansas City to Wichita. From Wichita, instead of going to Dodge City, they went back to Kansas City, then back to Wichita and to Dodge City. All because I put a P.O. box in and they shipped FedEx. So it is what it is. <sighs> Dag nabbit. Well, but did they look okay? Do you think they're going to work for mounting and everything? Oh, they're fine. They're good prints. They always, always do a great job. Good. I so was getting a little, little irritated. My sister had got to hear the wrath of my frustrations. <laughs> and so did MPIX. I contacted them twice and said, you know, they should be here by now. <laughs> What's the holdup? Well, you got to think though, if you're a photo printing company today, you surely have heard of the 4-H photo project. And <laughs> for the love of God, man, if it's summer, get it done and get it done right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm the photography leader for, for Fort County. And they were having a meeting to help with fair entries on Monday. And she said they were going to have the mat board there available for pickup. And she's like, do you want to help people that need help mounting their photos? And I'm like, sure, I can do that. Apparently everybody knows how to mount their photos because nobody showed up. <laughs> or they were in the same predicament as me and their prints hadn't showed up yet. <laughs> well, hey, um, I'm going back home uh, tomorrow to announce a steer show. The little tri-county fair that's in our backyard, it's not our, our full county fair. It's just um, kind of a practice fair, really. It's, it's for three counties, Dickinson, Marion, and Morris County in Kansas. And uh, it's been going on for over 60 some odd years. And, and it's a, a tradition, you know. And uh, so it's, like I said, it's kind of a practice fair for the three counties. You know, you get everything pulled together for that. And then you go on to your own county fair. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to announce the steer show. They've had to make some changes. So there's no displays. Everything is judged and gone home. Um, all of the, uh, the livestock is shown off of the trailer. So nobody's, you know, nobody's getting stalls or anything. You don't have to stay there for the fair because there's no outside people invited to the fair. Uh, for the first time in forever, there's not going to be a parade. <laughs> um, you know, there, it's just very, very odd to do that. Speaking of odd, my nephews, they went and did their foods judging today, evidently, and they judged their food, but they didn't take a sample bite. Kayleen, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, because food can look awfully pretty and, and taste not very good. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if they even cut into it. They, I didn't get the word on that if they actually cut into it to see if inside it, you know, had any errors or anything. I imagine they did, but I just can't imagine why you wouldn't take a taste of a food. I mean, it's not like, <laughs> granted, you're looking at home kitchen cooking. So there's always been that, am I going to get food poisoning or not from this <laughs> even before COVID? Um, now, I mean, as long, and, and the boys had to do their consultant judging in masks and they were sitting on the other end of a six foot table. So it's just going to be really interesting for these 4-H kids this year to do these judging, these conference judging. And, you know, A of all, we get, we have a tough time getting them to speak up and talk sometimes. Probably not your kids because Sean's a talker. <laughs> yeah, the kid doesn't shut up. But now we've got to add masks into the mix and, you know, it's just a whole different 
you know, um, whole different dynamic there, social dynamic. So if you're a judger and I'll be judging a couple of fairs next week, you'll be judging some fairs next week. Um, good luck to you all. I know it's going to be a very weird and odd situation, but I guess let's just go into it with a, hey, we're all in this together and we'll make it work. Right, Kayleen? There ain't nothing we can do to change it. So we got to go with the flow. <laughs> I did order um, really cute masks off of Amazon today. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have a fancy one. I have a medical one still. <laughs> figure if I'm going to have to wear these things out and about, then by golly, I'm going to accessorize. I got one that has a print of wheat. So it's a, a you know, it's made out of fabric that has a wheat pattern on, on it. I'm hoping to wear that for wheat slash sorghum you. I've got one that has Angus cattle on it. So hopefully I'll be able to wear that for cattle you if it gets here on time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at accessorizing there was even one I found for you it was orange bandana print Miss Oklahoma State yeah <laughs> come on I just can't get excited about them because I just can't do it <laughs> not even if I got you the one that has a handlebar mustache that makes you look like Trent Luce I'm not like Trent Luce like Pistol Pete <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying I want one that has the stripes that Willie the Wildcat has. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's an untapped market. Look, people, we can gritch about wearing masks or we can have fun with it. I mean, come on. <laughs> Nobody has to know if you're frowning and you have resting, you know, meanie face. <laughs> right, Kayleen? <laughs> yeah, because that's usually what I have is meanie face. <laughs> <laughs> And I went to Tractor Supply this morning to get goat feed and noticed they had a sign on the door that said masks were required. And I'm like, I'm not going back to the car. So I just went right in and it was me and two employees. So, And it's one of those things. I, we see all these, uh, these horrible videos right now on, on YouTube and, and just going around of people behaving badly. I tell you what, if I ever behave like that, and my parents ever got a hold of it, or my grandma, and she's been passed away for 20 years, she would rise out of the grave, grab me by my ear, and drag me out of the store if I ever pulled a stunt like that in front of people. <laughs> yeah. Whether you believe in it or not, there's just, you know, behaving in public like that, holy buckets. So. And, you know, if they would have asked me to leave or asked me to put on a mask, I would have complied because I am not a, that big of a rebel, but I was going in there for one thing, and there was two other people in there, and it was just, it is what it is. <laughs> well, hey, folks, um, like I said, go have fun with your mask, okay? I mean, come on. I did buy one that has a handlebar mustache on it. I mean, if you're going to wear something, wear something that's fun. You know, I was looking for one that had like a cow nose, you know, and they just evidently Amazon hasn't figured out the whole farm market. So if there's a boutique out there that has some really cute masks, let me know you know, send us, send us a note. Okay. So how are you folks doing out there? Drop us a line at HPJ talk at HPJ.com and let us know or call us at 1-800-452-7171. Hey, and do us a favor, head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Go ahead and leave us a review folks. This week's episode will bring you the stories you might've missed in the July 6th print edition. We'll have a report from the field with our all aboard wheat harvest correspondent. And Kayleen's going to bring us the latest on grain markets, and we'll have those final thoughts. 
Alta Seeds brings you this week's episode. Alta debuted its new iGrowth sorghum line July 8th in the first ever Sorghum Frontiers Virtual Field Day, all online. iGrowth is the world's first non-GMO herbicide-tolerant sorghum that's commercially available in the United States market, enabling pre- or post-emergent weed control. Be sure to catch up on the webinar recording at hpj.com slash sorghumfrontiers to learn more about this new trait and the company that's bringing it to your farm. Well, hey folks, it's a hot one out there. Grab something nice and cool. Show us your mask. Send us pictures of you and your mask and, and we'll put them up on Facebook. Uh, drop them in the comments there, you know, right, Kayleen? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, grab that cool drink out of the cooler in the back of the truck, turn up the AC and ride with us here on HPJ Talk. This week's cover story is by Jenny. Ethanol's rough ride, trade wars, COVID-19, and waivers alter its momentum. A year ago, the ethanol industry was racing across the proverbial highway to the winter circle. The Environmental Protection Agency had finally approved E15 for year-round use. Then, in 2020, they've hit about all the potholes they possibly could. Jenny caught up with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Re Renewable Fuels Association. Quote, at the end of January, the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals struck down some of the small refinery exemptions and set precedent that would limit the EPA to granting those SREs going forward, Cooper said. Yeah, Kayleen, they were really excited because uh, this year they were marking the one-year anniversary of the E15 decision, the year-round E15 decision. Uh, this year, this time last year, they had President Trump had visited the ethanol plant in Iowa there was a big to-do. Everybody was excited. Um, you know, the waivers that they saw being granted to the small refineries in the fall and winter, um, the Tenth Circuit said, hey, no, you, that's not right. You know, you're going to have to go back to the EPA and you're going to have to restrict how you're granting those. They had some wins. It was There were some good wins for corn growers. And then uh, we had trade wars that kind of constricted uh, ethanol movement overseas. We had COVID-19 and people stopped driving. Um, and then we have more waivers that are coming on, on, on point. So, you know, it, it kind of felt a little bit like there, yeah, there were some potholes put in place. Not to, not to say that COVID-19 and, and that tragedy there was a pothole by any means. It's just, it, it altered everybody's momentum. Um, we're seeing people are getting back on the roads. AAA has said that while people are starting to venture forth and take vacations, they're not flying, they're driving. And that's good news for ethanol growers because they're putting ethanol in those tanks. So uh, it's, a, it's a little bit here and a little bit there. Hopefully we will get back to some semblance of normal, but there were billions of dollars lost over the last spring and summer. There were plants that, are, that were completely shuttered, some that had to switch over to making the alcohol that would go into hand sanitizer because that's all they, that's, that's what they could do. They were, there was no way to go with the fuel stream, Kayleen. They had to do something with the alcohol. So here's hoping that the fall and the winter people still stay on the roads safely. Uh, buckle those seatbelts, people.
and uh, we can get back to some semblance of normal for corn growers. Um, David Murray has a story, foodshed.io reinvents local food distribution. So the COVID-19 crisis accelerated the exploration of alternatives to the current food distribution system that was already underway. He writes, a relatively new company called Foodshed is perfectly poised to take advantage of this format. format. It's addressing a key part of the food supply chain and the success of its first partnership with a major grocery chain is opening new doors for its expansion. Uh, They have 56 supplier farms operating across the Midwest and Northeast. Foodshed said it has already identified more than $30 million of year-round local produce and it's connecting local farmers to volume commitments from the wholesale market partners every day. That's pretty good. Uh, Kayleen, it says here that it's in its second year of most significant partnership yet. Um, they've partnered with St. Louis regional supermarket chain, Schnucks Markets. Have you ever uh, have you ever shopped at a Schnucks? Nope. <laughs> I've so only been to St. Louis once. <laughs> <laughs> our parent company is based out of St. Louis. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how this works. This is remarkable, Kayleen, because one of the hurdles to the local food movement is that volume buying. You know, people want to go to the store. They want to be able to see that it's on the shelf at all times of the year. So what do you think? Have you turned to local food here in the COVID-19 pandemic? I haven't really. Um, I've just used the, the local grocery stores, Walmart and Dillon's. I've used the pickup options. And I've noticed that the city has the farmer's market back open. And I'd like to go on a Saturday morning, but it's hard <laughs> for me to get to town on a Saturday morning and I don't want to drag the boys with me. So I, as much as I'd like to go, I mean, <laughs> it's yep. a challenge for me right now. Well, this kind of feels like it's bringing the farmer's market to the large superstores. So good, get on them. Good for you guys. Yeah. On our opinions and editorials page, editor Dave Bergmar has his column midway 2020. Who would have thought, but stay optimistic. A letter from the editor comes from Bruce Schultz, vice president of the National Farmers Organization and a cow-calf producer from Rainsford, Montana, titled Developing Ethanol Smart Energy Policy. Another letter comes from Shattuck, Oklahoma's FFA reporter, Tegan Charmison, Charmison, titled FFA Infected by COVID-19. On that same FFA note, Lacey Newland has a story inside Oklahoma FFA to hold Oklahoma FFA alumni leadership camp in July and August. Um, She writes that it was sad when the Oklahoma FFA Association made the decision to cancel the alumni leadership camp earlier in the year because of COVID-19. But a new format and a set of safety measures have allowed the organization to reverse this original decision and hold abridged versions of the state camp, as well as virtual sessions for members who are not able to attend. Uh, Trevor Lucas, Oklahoma FFA Executive Secretary, said other factors, including camp availability and restrictive state guidelines, played this key factor in the original decision to cancel, but they are looking at new opportunities again. He says, quote, we think it's important for everyone to understand our efforts to manage students' health and safety so that everyone can make an informed choice as to what's best for the students. So they're focused on taking all reasonable measures to prevent the spread of COVID-19 at the on-site camp. That's good to hear because the cases in Oklahoma are going up. <laughs> yeah, you know. As they are in other states. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, we just, just got to be careful out there, folks. And Jenny, your Common Ground column ran this week, Long May She Wave, 
Tell me what inspired you to write this piece. Well, I love our American flag. It's a beautiful piece of, of artwork, Kayleen. I mean, the colors red, white, and blue, they are synonymous with USA. You know, you can't say white, red, and blue. You can't say blue, red, and white. You say red, white, and blue. Now, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so when we talk about red, white, and blue and the, the flag and 4th of July and patriotism and what it means to be an American and a patriot, that, that question has been brought up a lot lately. There's a lot of definitions out there. A lot of people have their own definitions. So I went back to the history books and I wanted to see why did we choose red, white, and blue? Why were those colors chosen to be the emblem that represents the United States? And why, why do we have the, the design that we have? I just did a little bit of researching. And did you know, in the original law that was created, creating the flag, the colors are not defined. The only reason why we have the definition of what the colors are supposed to stand for is when there was a law created to create the Great Seal of the United States, which was based off of the colors of the American flag. So I got to doing some thinking about what those colors represent. You know, we talk a lot about red states and blue states, Democrats, Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. But we never talk about the third color on the flag and what it means. And I think people forget that you can't have just a, you know, red versus blue. There's also white in there. And there are reasons why there's white on that flag. And mostly it, it revolves around, you know, innocence and, um, you know, purity of heart are, are some of the things that were, were attributed to that color and, and why it's used in the flag. And you can't have one, you know, red without the white. You can't have blue without the white. You can't have all three without that middle ground on the flag. And uh, I hope people read it and they understand where I was trying to go with that is you can't just have one or the other. There's got to be middle ground in there. And oftentimes we forget there's middle ground, but that's also part of what it means to be American. So um, hope everybody had a good, happy 4th of July. and. Uh, Wave those flags, okay? And Kayleen, hey, you've got a story about the number of vesicular stomatitis cases rising in Kansas. Did I get it right? Stomatitis? Yeah, you can either, I would say, the way I've heard it is stomatitis. I'm sure you could say it another way. Privately, (laughs) folks, we've had a heck of a time in-house even pronouncing vesicular stomatitis. (laughs) We're learning. You could call it BSV. (laughs) Well, VSV has made its appearance once again in Kansas, which is no laughing matter. Um, This is a very serious virus, folks. It was first found in Butler County on June 16th. It's now been confirmed on more than 30 premises in Butler, Cowley, Sedgwick, and Sumner counties. It is a viral disease primarily affecting horses and beef cattle, occasionally swine, sheep, goats, llamas, and alpacas. And uh, you listened in to uh, Butler County Extension Agent Charlene Miller's June 25th webinar to discuss the disease. What did you learn there, Kayleen? She felt that it was important to get the information out to the people that need it. I mean, there was extension agents, there was vets, there was horse owners, there was all kinds of people on the call, on the webinar, listening, and they want to provide the most factual and timely information um, regarding the virus. And, you know, since I wrote this, it's changed already. I mean, they found... Marion County in Kansas has cases, and there's already been a rodeo or two canceled because of that in Marion County. 
Um, they found a case just earlier this week, July 7th in Oklahoma. They're doing their best, you know, to quarantine these premises and keep the, the horses and cattle. There's, I noticed on the list yesterday when I looked it up that there's quite a few cattle on the list. And on the USDA site, there have been a total of 68 previously VSV infected or suspect premises that have been, that have completed the quarantine and have been released. And to date, all the quarantine premises that have been, re have been released in New Mexico, which was starting in Ju early June in Texas, in early June as well. And there's 54 premises under VSV quarantine in Arizona, Kansas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma currently. And that was yesterday. I think that was their July 7th update, July 8th update. So USDA, the APHIS has updates regularly on VSV. So if you're needing to know that, just look up the USDA, the animal Plant and Health Inspection Service, or however that goes, <laughs> APHIS. <laughs> so what is, um, what's a treatment option for people? What is something that, um, that they can do if, they're, if horses do come down with, or their livestock do come down with VSV? Well, it is a virus, and it's transmitted by different insect vectors that include like biting gnats and certain species of flies, and they bite the animal or they land on a wound and transfer it from animal to animal. And they're seeing in these cases in central Kansas that these insects are around wet areas and tributaries and rivers and streams. And that's where those, those insects wanna live. So controlling the pests in your animal herds, in your livestock is really an important thing to do this, this time of year. Okay, good to know, good to know. And I also had a story from uh, about Brandy Buzzard Frobo. She's one of our keynote speakers for Cattle U and Trade Show, July 29th and 30th. And you listened to Brandy on the podcast last week. So a lot of the same stuff we talked about on the podcast is what was in the story. Great. Hey, you can read more on the variety of ag issues facing farmers and ranchers, as always, in the print High Plains Journal. Or you can look for it online anytime at hpj.com. If you have a response to something you've read or heard, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. We want to hear from you. High Plains Journal's Cattle U is thundering back to the United Wireless Arena in Dodge City, Kansas, July 29th and 30th. Don't miss your chance to hear from the top names in the cattle industry and learn how you can bring more value to your herd. Sessions will target all segments of the cattle business, from the cow-calf producer to the feedlot manager. For registration details, visit cattleu.net. And don't forget to look for a code in the print edition of the High Plains Journal for $30 off your registration. Visit cattleu.net today. time for an update from the field with our All Aboard Wheat Harvest correspondence, brought to you by Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Unreferred Manufacturing, AgriProceed, Agco Gleaner, and BASF. This is Kayleen Scott with HPJ Talk, and I'm here with Janelle Skimper from All Aboard Wheat Harvest. How are you doing today, Janelle? I'm doing good. We're out here cutting wheat right now. 
you are in western Nebraska, is that right? Yep, we're out here by Sydney, Nebraska, and we got here a couple days ago, and we pretty much went straight to the field when we got here. The wheat crop's decent. It's not as good as last year. The yields, I'd say, so far have been 25 bushels an acre up to 50 bushels an acre. And the test weights are decent. They're over 60 pounds, I think. Well, I get the tickets this morning. Most of them are 62.5. So that's good. But there is a little bit of soft light in the wheat. So that's where the stock of the wheat collapses. And then it's it's just on the ground. So we're getting slow and low trying to get it off. I bet that's kind of kind of makes it for a long day, I bet. It does. It does. Yeah, it's a hit or miss. Some years it's decent, but this year they've got a lot of soft lies. I noticed they had some weather up there yesterday, which was Wednesday, the July eighth. Did you guys have any any weather? Or was that on the other side of you? No, we were right in the path of it, and we were cutting, and it was like hurricane winds for like I'd say a good twenty thirty minutes. And it looked like like we were going to get hit with rain, but we never did get any moisture. And there was a tornado 13 miles, I think, southeast of Julesburg, which isn't that far from here. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we were lucky. We didn't get any moisture, so we kept cutting and got the field done and shut down for the night. Yeah, I noticed the radar had kind of a funny-looking storm line on it. I don't know. Yeah, and it, it got bigger as it went east. So we were lucky we didn't get anything severe out of it. Yeah, I would imagine so. What did you guys do for the 4th of July? Did you do anything fun? I did nothing. I <laughs> stayed out late in the field. My brother JC went in early, like, I don't know, 9 o'clock-ish, because mm-hmm. he's got three boys. So, of course, he went in early to light fireworks. But Michael Lonnie and I, we stayed out until, I don't know, 10.30. And then... I got back to the camper park and watched a few fireworks around 11 o'clock. So I, I got what I usually get, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so just a few fireworks is okay. My dog does not like the 4th of July, so it, I, I don't mind staying out in the field as long as we possibly can because she gets really scared and doesn't hide. Yeah, I, I know what that's all about. Um, how long do you think you guys are going to be where you're at and where are you headed next? We will probably be here a good week to 10 days and then we typically go up north of here south dakota but i think that's a ways off yet so we will see what happens well that sounds like you guys have a good plan going so far um you are going to be on our facebook live tomorrow is that right that's correct and i know there's been a post on social media about people wanting to ask you questions um Yep. Have you have you done a Facebook Live yet? I think you have, haven't you? I did. I did one, I think, two or three weeks ago. Did you have good questions and good conversation? I only had one question, oh, and I, I liked the question, and I, I did answer it. And then, um, I don't know, but Facebook Live was about five minutes. We weren't cutting that day. We had just unloaded and mm-hmm. kind of got settled in, and the wheat was green. So I was just at the camper park. But hopefully tomorrow I'll be cutting and I can kind of show, you know, what we do out here in the field. So it sounds like fun. You'll yeah. Be, you'll be in the combine then? Yep. I sure will. Well, we'll have to have to plug that and make sure people know that you're going to be in the combine and they can hopefully see you cutting some wheat. 
That's right. I'll probably do it. I don't know. Probably after dinner tomorrow, I'll probably do it. So. Well, Janelle, I hope you guys have a good rest of your week and, and a successful Facebook Live tomorrow. Thank you. And good luck on the road. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for that update. And remember, if you want to catch up with our All Aboard Wheat Harvest crews, visit their blog at allaboardharvest.com and look for their posts on the pages of High Plains Journal each week. All Aboard Wheat Harvest is brought to you by Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Unverfirth Manufacturing, AgriPro Seed, Agco Gleaner, and BASF, who remind you that we're all in this together. High Plains Journal is bringing Wheat Sorghum U back to the Kansas Star Event Center in Mulvane, Kansas, August 11th. Don't miss this one-day event with speakers from around the High Plains, bringing you the education and tools you need to boost your wheat and sorghum bottom lines. Registration is free. Don't delay. Save your seat today at hpj.com. Your grain market prices from Dodd City's Pride Egg Resources on June 30th. Corn was up at $3.47. Wheat was up at $4.10, Milo was up at $3.52, and soybeans were up at $7.89. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters on our website, www.hpj.com slash signup. Simply select the topics that interest you and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. Be sure to watch for our newsmaker issue of High Plains Journal in your mailboxes July 13th with a story from Kayleen. And look for additional content online anytime at hpj.com. Thanks again to Alta Seeds for sponsoring this week's episode. Alta debuted its new iGrowth Sorghum line July 8th in its first ever Sorghum Frontiers Virtual Field Day iGrowth is the world's first non-GMO herbicide-tolerant sorghum that's commercially available in the U.S. market, enabling pre- or post-emergent weed control. Be sure to check out the event recording at hpj.com sorghumfrontiers to learn more about this new trait and the company that's bringing it to your farm. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com podcast. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again, folks, for riding along with us as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. Headlights on both ends.